Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, the podcast where we take animals you see every day, animals you've heard of, and animals you didn't know existed, and break them down in a single episode. Our goal as animal lovers is to spread knowledge and awareness about the creatures we share this floating rock with. We hope you learn something new. Hello and welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. And what are we talking about today? So today we are talking about the vampire squid. Um, which, you know, fun fact right off the bat, its Latin name means vampire squid from hell. Yes. So, fun way to start that. And if you look up a picture, you will understand why it might be given that name. Yes. It is, if not studied, it can be pretty terrifying at a first glance. Yes. It, it is a... A very red shade and has very light eyes usually. And then the insides of its tentacles have little, what look like almost teeth. Yeah. And there was a myth that it sucked the blood of creatures and that's how it sustained life. That is not true at all and we will talk about what it actually eats. Yeah. So although it is called the vampire squid, um, it is neither an octopus or a squid. It is a cephalopod, but it's part of its own order and it's called Vampiromorphida. So it's the only animal that's left of its order. There are others, but they're extinct. And it is also a very, very old species. Yeah. I saw that it is... What was the word that I saw? There was a word for it that I saw that was really interesting. I'll have to find it again. But the whole idea was that it has been almost unchanged. Yeah. It's entire... The, from its, when it first appeared, it's almost unchanged. And this species is pre-dinosaur. This species goes back 300 million years, and it is virtually unchanged. Yeah. So, talking about just the general size of it, it's not big. It can grow to about a foot long, and that's pretty much the biggest it can get. And its weight is right around one pound, so it's not a big creature. Yeah. Tiny. And we'll talk about the reason for it, why, it's, why it has stayed unchanged, why it's so tiny. It kind of has to do with where it lives, yeah. where, it's, where it thrives. It thrives... About two to three thousand feet below sea level, which at that point it is extremely dark, and it is what is called the oxygen minimum layer mm-hmm. because that area of water has less than five percent oxygen. So, like I said, it's about two to three thousand feet below sea level, and that's everywhere. It is found almost worldwide. Yeah. It, they find eggs and specimens all over the world. Because it doesn't really matter where you're at when you're that deep. It's pretty constant around the world, uh, the temperature-wise. And temperature-wise, it's about 35 to 43 degrees Fahrenheit or 2 to 6 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So it is pretty cold water down mm-hmm. there. So the way it looks, Jack kind of touched on this earlier. Um, so like we said, it's about a foot long. And it does have these tentacles, but it also has these this webbing between its tentacles. Yeah. So I mean, it almost looks like a, like a lampshade, like it, yeah. it literally looks like a lampshade just because it has tentacles with webbing in between each one. And then its color it can be black to like a reddish color, um, and it has um, 
Like its eyes can actually change colors too, I notice. It depends on temperature and its depth, but it can have like red or bluish eyes. And something interesting about it is it has these two uh, like flaps on its head, mm-hmm. um, which kind of look like its ears. Um, but other than that, it looks pretty like s- typical like squid or octopus shape. Yeah, and that's where – so those fins or those ears that Julia talked about. So you can probably imagine how most squid and octopus move, how they kind of like kick with their – I don't want to say kick, but like propel themselves yeah. with their legs. That is not what the vampire squid is doing. It's using those little fins on its head mm-hmm. to just like paddle along. Yeah. It is very slow moving. Its metabolism is super low. It doesn't do much. It's yeah. not a very exciting animal. It no. doesn't really do anything. It kind of just floats along until it finds food. So – you know, talking about, like, its characteristics again, it does not uh, produce ink like an octopus or squid does. You know, in a defense response, that's what they do. They, you know, shoot out the ink as, like, a cloud to escape whatever's threatening it. The vampire squid has these bioluminescent, like, lights that it can shoot out at predators almost to distract them. And one thing I learned is that these, like, orbs almost can stick to the predators for another predator to then attack them. So it's like a secondary response, which is super interesting to think about. Yeah, and the whole idea is because why it adapted that way is because it's where there's minimum light. Mm -hmm. So using a cloud of ink isn't going to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's already dark. You can't make it more dark. Yeah. So the whole idea is, okay, use light. And the light is supposed to help kind of distract the predator because it'll let out a bunch of these, and it's all of a sudden really bright, or there's these random lights where the squid can get away while the predator is distracted. And the oct- or the vampire squid also does have light on itself. Yeah. We, we know a lot of squids that are bioluminescent, and a lot of octopus that can do that as well. The vampire squid isn't nearly as bioluminescent mm-hmm. as a lot of other squids. Usually it's just the tip of its tentacles usually has uh, lights on them, and our thought process is probably for communicating. Yeah. Most squids and oct- octopus, that's what it is for. It is purely for communication, letting other squids and octopus know what is going on. Mm-hmm. And in case anybody doesn't know, so squids and octopus have beaks, like bird beaks, like solid hard beaks. Mm-hmm. Vampire squid is no different. It is found on the underside in the center of all of its tentacles, where it can kind of feed itself underneath. It's in a safe spot. But we have seen, maybe not with vampire squids, and we'll go into this. Mm-hmm. But if you look at things that have been attacked by squids, you can see like a beak bite mark yeah. taken out of things. Yeah, they which can is take very fascinating. chunks out of things. So, unlike, you know, we think squids and octopus, they are, they hunt for their food. You know, they swim around, they find fish, and they attack. Vampire squid are completely different. Yep. They don't eat live animals, but they eat what we call marine snow. Which, if you look at, you know, underwater divers and stuff, you see a bunch of, like, things floating around in the water. That's what it is. Which, it basically is, like, dead plankton-like creatures and fecal matter. And that's what they eat. Yeah, they're just floating along and they just take what they can get. And I saw what they do is, as they're floating, they kind of collect it all Mm -hmm. underneath the... Because it's almost like a little canopy, like Julia said, like a little lampshade. They collect it all in their little lampshade and they have this, like, um mucus that they excrete that kind of turns it into a ball and like it collects a bunch uses the mucus turns into a nice little food ball and then it slowly just feeds itself on this little food ball and it is the only cephalopod like julia touched on it is the only cephalopod that does not hunt Mm -hmm. every other one will hunt this is the only one that won't so with the reproduction of this animal it's as i was reading it it's actually kind of cool so 
basically one of the male squid will have almost, they call it a pocket of sperm that they kind of just pass along to the female. And then the female will literally just store it until she's ready to use it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these special pockets in her, in the female, she can hold about 10,000 immature eggs. And we see it with, you know, other cephalopods. It's they reproduce once and then that's it for the rest of their life. Mm. But the vampire squid is different since it can uh, reproduce, you know, multiple babies at different periods in its life, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, and I thought it was fascinating. I thought the whole idea of it holding the sperm yeah. for when it's ready. And I, but I did see one explanation for that is because we think their numbers are so low that it's pretty much they have to mate every opportunity they can. Mm-hmm. Every time a male and a female see each other, they have to mate. Like they have to or their numbers are going to die. So it's the male sees a female. All right, here's some sperm. And that's it. Yeah. That's how the mating process goes. So, you know, we talked about the immature eggs, but... The female can disperse about 100 mature eggs at a time. Um, and like Jack's, Jack was talking about it, they float in the water. So they'll float in the water and then the babies actually have about a 13-month gestation period. And what's interesting about this is that the mom doesn't eat during this period and she often dies of exhaustion after her babies are born. Which, you know, we think about, but it's kind of like, you know, protect the babies, produce as many offspring as she can so the species can move forward, basically. Yep. And so we talked about when they, a fully grown vampire squid is about a foot. When a baby hatches, it is 0.3 inches long. (laughs) It is tiny. And what it'll eat when it's that tiny is it eats its own egg. It'll eat the egg sac, it'll eat the egg yolk and get nourishment from that until it's able to actually go out and feed on its own. So when it comes to being defensive and guarding, um, the vampire squid has this defense mechanism called the pineapple posture. So we talked about the inside of their tentacles have these looking teeth-looking objects, these little spike objects, and it, they look like a lampshade normally. Well, this pineapple posture, it'll fold in on itself, essentially, where it turns inside out, and so the spiky bits are protruding, and it'll say like that, just as a defense threatening posture and the inside of its, I'll call it canopy. The inside of its canopy is usually very, very dark. So it can become almost invisible in that, uh, layer of water where there's almost no light. So with this creature, we still don't know a ton of information about it just because of where it lives. You know, we don't have the proper technology to explore in the depths of the ocean, um, as much as we want to. And with its age, it's, you know, it's still patchy. They're still thinking about it, but it's believed that they can live up to eight years, which for a cephalopod, it's usually one or two years and that's it. So for a cephalopod, it's extreme, but it also could be just where it lives. You know, it doesn't have, you know, a lot of predators. It's not like, you know, open to fishing for with humans and stuff like that. So it does live for a little bit longer than normal. Because I'm always looking for new words when we do these, I found another one that I learned. So the body of a vampire squid contains what are called statoliths, which is the Greek word for balancing stones. Those are the organs that keep a vampire squid neutrally buoyant so it's able Mm. to float through the water like it does. Then another little interesting tidbit about the vampire squid, pertaining to those fins that we mentioned earlier that it uses to swim about, 
So as it's growing and uh, grows webbing, because when a vampire squid is born, it does not have the webbing between its tentacles. As it grows, the webbing grows in size. It'll grow its normal fins, but it also starts to grow a second pair, larger pair of fins. When the second pair is fully grown and ready to be used, that first pair gets reabsorbed back into the body. So rather than falling off or just being there and being just a vestigial dead weight sort of thing, they literally absorb back into the body. And adding on to this, um, you know, he talked about earlier about how they ha- they use these fins as uh, like little propellers, like little fins. It's because this uh, cephalopod has extremely weak muscles. When you think of, you know, an octopus or a squid, they use, it's almost like jet propulsion and they can speed through the water at super fast speeds. This is not true with the vampire squid. It is very, it's a very relaxed and laid back animal as it, it, it literally just floats around, eats food, you know, mates every now and then, but it is a very laid back animal. And the last fun fact I have about this animal is that this animal has the largest eye size compared to its body size in the entire animal kingdom. And, you know, it's crazy to think about because when you look at its eye, you don't think it's anything big. Well, compared to its body, it is big. And only being a foot long, it doesn't really surprise me that much. When you also think about the same, same thing with us, how much of your, their eye is showing? How much of our eye is showing? Yeah. There's an entire eyeball behind what we see. So we may only see the iris and pupil of this vampire squid. But there's a whole other, there's a giant eyeball still behind it, which that makes sense. And it also makes sense that they need those eyes, the larger eyes. It's so dark. They need to be able to take in as much light as possible in order to see. And my last little gift of information today is that its population size is very much unknown. You know, especially with, you see this a lot with deep sea creatures. We don't know a ton about them just because we can't get to them as much. Um... It does say that they are unlikely to be endangered just because on their habitat and they're not at risk to um, hunting and fishing. Um, Although sometimes fishermen will pull them up in their nets, but these animals are no threat to humans at all. Yeah, we we have virtually no interaction with them and we probably won't for some time. Mm -hmm. So like Julia said, the odds that they are hurting are probably very little, but we can't really know until we get the technology. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CTTC Podcast. And remember, if you are on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, please drop us one. We'd love to hear the feedback to know how we're doing. And it helps us reach more ears. And be sure to tune in next week when we talk about the Pilbara Flame-Tailed Slider. I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.